Today, we're blessed to have Wade Smith. Wade pastored Oswego Alliance Church for about 15 years. He now heads up the ministry Bridge to Hope, which has you know, three houses for men who need, need some assistance. They live there. He also has Second Chances, you know, which is um, operating out of our downstairs basement, which gives away furniture and clothing. But, you know, Wade's a man of God. His lovely family, his wife Wendy is here. Let me put the, you know, emphasis on them too. But, you know, I can't tell you what Wade means to me personally. You know, we get together weekly, and he's really my accountability partner. And I just really am so blessed to have him as a friend, and I really admire his faith. So, my friend. Thank you, Dick. I uh, really appreciate that, and uh, it really is my privilege to be here with you this morning, and uh, certainly thankful, thankful for the opportunity to be here, thankful for the opportunity to see you, to be with my friend, and uh, to be with you as family. And uh, I want to just simply begin by saying thank you. Thank you for your support of Bridge to Hope. And you as a church support us financially, support us in prayer, and uh, you have no idea what difference that makes. And you might think, well, it's it's just money. No, it's money that makes a difference in people's lives. The ministry couldn't take place without the finances that are given through this church. Even downstairs with second chances. I know there's some of you, I saw a couple of others that, that uh, uh, volunteer down there on a weekly basis. And uh, just sorting clothes. You might say just sorting clothes. But the interaction that they have with individuals as they come in. A smiling face to ask, hear the stories, to be a part of their lives. It's not just handing out clothes and furniture and those kind of things. It's part of the ministry of Bridge to Hope that meets practical needs to show and be the hands and feet of Christ. So thank you. Thank you. And if you want to know more about Bridge to Hope, you can certainly tap me on the shoulder after the service or... Talk to those. If you volunteer downstairs at any point in the last year, can you just raise your hand? So, you can talk to them about the ministry downstairs. You can talk to Pastor Dick about details of Bridge to Hope if you're not sure where to volunteer or what to do. Please join with me in prayer as uh, we open God's Word together. Lord, we do ask that as we have come here together to worship you. Our focus is on you. Our focus is on the greatness of who God is and our response to that. And Father, I ask that as we open your word together in these next few moments, a passage that may be familiar to many of us, but Lord, may it become fresh and new through the power of your Spirit, Lord, that it's not about my words or eloquence or lack thereof, but Lord, it's about your Spirit speaking as you desire to our hearts, to our minds, 
to soften us to become who you have called us to be. So, Father, we ask that your will would be done as it has been already in this place, but that it would continue to do so even as we open your word. And I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, for my wife and I, um, it's been a little bit of a rough start to the year, I'll be honest. Within about the first 10 days of the year, we had four funerals that we attended. One was for a brother-in-law of a friend of mine. One was somebody who overdosed on drugs. One was the mother of a former youth of mine when I was a youth pastor in New Jersey. And then the last one was probably the toughest for me. And uh, we have had an individual that has worked out at Fruit Valley Orchard. Um, my wife and own, I own Fruit, Fruit Valley Orchard. And, and um, he's worked out there for many, many years. And his name is Harry. And July 7th, Harry fell out of a tree. He was on a ladder and fell off and, uh, as he was picking cherries. And Harry, at that point, broke his collarbone, seven ribs, punctured lung, two vertebrae, and uh, broke his arm quite badly. Harry, from that point on, was in hospital and then rehab. And then he had to come home, but he couldn't come home to an empty house. He needed somebody there with him. So Harry moved in with us at the end of August uh, of this past year. And uh, Harry was living with us, going from a single man of 67 to the chaos of my home. That was a shock for him. And uh, my children became well acquainted with Harry. Harry would get up and he would uh, help my daughter with uh, Nutella and toast every morning <laughs> and uh, breakfast of champions. And you know, Harry just really became part of our family. On Christmas Day, it was 9 o'clock in the evening, and uh, I was sitting in the living room watching TV with my, uh, my one son, and uh, my other son, Ashton, came and got me and said, Dad, Harry just fell down in the kitchen. So I went in, and Harry was flat out over by the fridge. And uh, at that point, I, I looked at Harry, and he was not responding at all. We called 911 right away. Um, I followed the instructions that were given to me of doing chest compressions for about 10 minutes till the paramedics got there. And uh, Harry went to Oswego Hospital on the way to the hospital. As I got to the hospital, I called Harry's sister and just said, Listen, this is what's gone on. She was shocked. After sitting there for, for a few minutes in the waiting room, uh, the receptionist came and got me and said, Sir, we'd like to usher you to a back room where the doctor can talk to you. And right away, I knew. Harry didn't recover. He had died on our kitchen floor that evening but they had done everything they could for him. 
You know, and as I look back, and I, I shared this at the funeral, and I've shared this with Pastor Dick a number of times, that, you know, there's a number of things that, you know, you have those conversations in your mind of, I wish I could have, I wish I would have. <laughs> and one of the things that I didn't do with Harry, and, and, and I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed, in fact, to say it. Former pastor, leads a ministry all this but I never had that conversation with Harry to say where do you really stand with Jesus and you need to understand he heard it in our home and all those kind of things he was a part of it and he saw the way we lived he lived with us but I never asked Harry straight out Harry what do you believe about Jesus Where are you at in in your faith? I knew he went to a a Presbyterian church when he was younger. And, you know, there there was some knowledge there. I know he had a Bible that sat on his freezer in his house. You know, like I knew all these things, but I never had that conversation with Harry to Harry. Harry, where do you stand in your relationship with Jesus? Do you know him personally? One of those things that just is somewhat haunts me and has haunted me and acts as somewhat of a, a challenge to my own faith now is I don't want to make that mistake again. I don't want to make that mistake again. I was waiting for just the right moment. <laughs> I spent hours working with Harry. Hours. I was waiting for just the right moment and need to understand Harry's personality. He was a little bit of a cranky old guy. (laughs) Not just a little bit. He was. But that perfect moment never came in my mind. (laughs) You know, as I've recounted over the last number of days, those four funerals, and I only attended three, but my wife attended the other one, the fourth one, of the drug overdose. And, you know, it it just left me with a sense of each of us (laughs) kind of only has this amount of time. And we all leave our mark on people. Harry left his mark on my children, on me. You know, all these other people that I've recounted have left their mark on me, and we leave our mark on others. But I wonder what kind of mark we leave on those that are around us. (laughs) And I've already said that by you giving the bridge to hope and and volunteering downstairs and praying for us, you leave a mark on people that, that you may not even know. As we live for Christ, we leave a mark on people. And my question to us this morning, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to be reading the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. And, and as we read these verses in just a, mo- a few moments, I want this, this question to just kind of continue to permeate our minds. What kind of a mark, what kind of a legacy, what kind of an impact do we leave on people's lives? And, and it doesn't matter if it's just for a few moments, or it doesn't matter if you've known them a lifetime. What's your legacy 
when it comes to your relationship with those people. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And in the chapter before this passage, Hebrews chapter 11, is is what is referred to as the hall of faith, maybe. Or it it just lists person after person of of those that lived their faith that have gone before us and said, these people... These people are identified because of their, not because they're perfect, but because of their faith. And, and as we go through this passage, I want us to remember some of those people. And we're going to review who they were in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I just want you to stand, if you're able, as I read these two verses. And these verses may be familiar. I know they're behind me right up here. And... Um, I'm reading from the ESV, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated. Go back. We'll go back to that first verse in just a moment. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. It says, therefore. And whenever you see therefore, you ask the question, what is it therefore? Whenever you see that in Scripture, you say, therefore, what is it therefore? And and it's pointing backwards. Therefore, since we are. And it's pointing backwards. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 is pointing to those that have this legacy. That have left their mark that have said this is who they are. And I wonder as we live our lives, once again I ask the question, what kind of a mark are we leaving on people? What kind of a difference as you live out your daily life? Here it outlines in these two verses... It outlines for us some key things that we need to do in order to leave that godly mark on people's lives. And it begins with the encouragement to keep going (laughs) because of those that ran before us. It says, the great cloud of witnesses. Now the opening phrase of Hebrews 12.1 refers back to Hebrews 12:11 or Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have your Bible open, you'll you'll see there in in verse 4 it talks of Abel, verse 5 Enoch, verse 7 Noah, verse 8 Abraham, ver, verse 9 Isaac and Jacob, verse 11 Sarah. Then it goes on and further on it talks about verse 17, the faith of Abraham the faith of Jacob, the faith of Joseph, the faith of Moses. 
And then it goes on just further on. At the very end it says, Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. This is just kind of a sample list. And it says... A great cloud of witnesses. Now, there's all kinds of different analogies used in Scripture of the Christian faith. There's a farmer. (laughs) There's an athlete, which this refers to, of running the race. There is a shepherd. (laughs) There's many, many different analogies. And this is one is talking about running a race running a race. And this race is a marathon, not a sprint, but a marathon. And it says, there's a great cloud of witnesses. If you picture the Colosseum of old, or maybe one of the football games that's taking place this afternoon, you picture that that stadium that is filled with those that have gone before us in their faith. And they're there on the sidelines. As our example. As the ones that we can look to and say, you know what? When you're having a hard time, as Pastor Dick even talked about for a few minutes, when you're struggling in your faith, when you're struggling in life, you go back and you say, but they were faithful. But look at their example. They weren't perfect. But look at them. John Piper, when he's describing, and there's some interesting comments when it comes to, so are these people actually, these witnesses actually watching us right now? Which I don't believe they are. I don't believe that's what Scripture teaches here. But these are witnesses in terms of witnessing to the faith as somebody is called before a judge to witness as to what took place. That's the type of witnesses these are. These aren't looking down and going, oh, look at them. Oh, they should be doing... No, that's not what is taking place here, I don't believe. Some do believe that, but in terms of what I understand. And this is what John Piper says. The word witness can, either have, can have either meaning. The act of seeing something or the act of telling something. The verb form of the word witness is used five times in Hebrews 11 and always refers to the giving or confirming testimony rather than the mere watching of event. So I take this witness of Hebrews 12.1 to be the saints who have run the race before us, have gathered, as it were, along the marathon route to say, through the testimony of their lives, by faith, I finished, you can too. This is the way all the witnesses of Hebrew 11 are helping us. They've gathered along the sidelines of our race and they hold out their wounds, their joys, and give us the best high fives we ever had. And they say, go for it. You can do it. By faith, you can finish. By faith, the assurance of better things hoped for. You can do it. I did it. And I know you can do it. Run. Run with all you've got. 
There are dozens and hundreds and thousands of those that have gone before us who have finished the race by faith and surrounded us like a great cloud of witness to say, to say it can be done. By faith, it can be done. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with those that are examples to us. And we are being called that our names would be added to this. Because of the way you walk, this is the type of faith that people can look at your faith, look at your life, and say, you know what? Because you have lived this life, I too want Jesus. Amen? Feel free to respond, honestly. You know, it's one of those things where God is calling us (laughs) to live a life worthy. Worthy of what He has paid for us. Run the race of faith. I would encourage you sometime this week, and maybe you're doing a Bible reading as a church, I don't know, but sometime this week, even this afternoon, just take a few minutes. It'll take you three or four minutes. Read through Hebrews chapter 11 as a way of encouragement to your faith. Not as a way of, oh man, I'll never be like that. But as a way of encouragement to say these people have gone before us. They did it. (laughs) I can too. Not as, oh, look at me. But these people were just mere people that failed and failed. They were imperfect. Some of them at times in their lives were not nice people. (laughs) But read those, or or read biographies. I love reading Christian biographies. Livingston, Whitfield, Corey Ten Boom. (laughs) That you would learn those that have gone before us and say, look how they walked. Through the power of God, I can walk that way too. Not in my strength, but in His strength. Secondly, to pursue Christ, we must travel light. In this passage here, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, I'm not suggesting you take this literally, but the ancient Greeks used to run naked. Don't do that. But the picture there is they didn't want anything to drag them down. They didn't want anything to drag them down. They didn't want anything to weigh them down. Anything that encumbers us. Anything that would distract us. Now, can you picture the Boston Marathon or the New York Marathon? The Boston Marathon, we'll go with that one. And can you picture, you know, up the very front line there, you've got the Kenyans. You know, they're tall, sleek. I ran one marathon once. And... I'm more of a Clydesdale, I guess that's what I would call myself. 
And I'm running, and I see these guys coming back this way on the other side, and I'm thinking, whoa, the turnaround's got to be just up there. No. No. Their time was half what mine was. I'll just put it that way. But can you imagine the Boston Marathon? You get the Kenyans up there, and then you got some skinny Americans up there, and, and, and they're ready to take off. And then you got somebody that is up there, and they've got like their, their winter jacket on, their snow pants, their, their, their like snow boots on, a backpack. And you're going, buddy, you're not even going to finish the race, let alone run the race. And you ask him what's in the backpack and he takes it off and it's 50 pounds and he's got all kinds of soda, Coke of course, because that's the best. And, and he's got Coke and he's got Twinkies in there and he's got chips and he says, I need energy to get the race done. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> Is he going to run the race? He's not going to run it well. I don't think he's even going to complete the race. I think he's going to have a hard time with that race, don't you? <laughs> and the picture that is given to us here is to throw off every encumbrance. Well, what is the encumbrance? It's different than sin, but every encumbrance refers to those things that weigh us down in our lives. The distractions of our life that weigh us from focusing where? On the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Isn't that what we're told? What are some of those encumbrances? <laughs> well, these aren't necessarily all bad things. Sometimes it's family can be an encumbrance. <laughs> Sometimes it's work. <laughs> Sometimes it's hurry. <laughs> you know, in the morning when you have 10 minutes... And you're going, okay, what, I, I could read God's Word or I could check what somebody had last night for supper on Facebook, right? You know, those important things. That's an encumbrance. Or, or you know, it can be sports. <laughs> it can be the TV. It can be our phones, most likely. How much time a week do you spend on your phone <laughs> playing that game that you just can't seem to conquer? And I'm sure Jesus up there in heaven goes, oh, keep going, I bet you can win it this next time. I don't think he much cares. <laughs> and I understand everything in balance. I'm not. But the things that weigh us down, even sometimes the good things, these aren't sinful things. And then he goes on and he says, lay aside every sin that so easily entangles us. In biblical times, they wore long robes. And if they were going to run, it would get entangled around their legs. So they would grab it and put it in their belt, basically. Either that or they would take it off and they'd run. And here the picture is, it says, sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside those weights. Let us take it off. 
the things that so easily entangle us. Let us throw aside. In James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it gives us a picture of the process of sin, doesn't it? James 1, 14 and 15. We're lured and enticed. It's a fishing analogy. How many of you like fishing? How many of you like eating fish? Okay, then you like fishing. But you know, it's one of those things that entices. What's going to entice you? The, you know, I've learned, and I'm not a great fisherman. I like drowning worms. That's about what I do. But I'm not a great fisherman, but I've learned that certain colors at certain times are good with this type of fish and this type of fish and at certain depths and these kind of things. What entices you is going to be different than what entices me because of the lure is different. The hook is different. Our challenge here is if we're going to run well, throw it off. Throw it off. And you know where it begins? Right here. It says it begins with our desires. And what do we do? What do we do with that, that little twinge of what if? Try this. Let our minds go in places that they ought not. So we look at somebody and we go, huh. Why would they dress like that and come to church? Why would they be in church at all when they... Begins here, right? The danger is that we entertain. And we don't throw off the things we need to in order to run this race well. Stop. That's what he's essentially saying. Stop. Stop. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying, oh, I've got it together. Far from it. Stop. He says we must run with endurance. There's a certain mindset to go the distance. There's a certain mindset to keep going in the Christian faith. And it's not, well, I got to do better so God likes me more. It's not it. I got to read my Bible more so God looks down and says, you got it. You did good today. not saying reading your Bible isn't important. It is. It's crucial because this is how we get to know God. But we must run with endurance. You know, if I were to go person to person, I'm not going to. But if I were to go person to person and say, rate yourself how you're doing spiritually on a scale of 1 to 10 this morning. Over here. And you'd say, oh, I'm an 8 today. Oh. I'm doing good. I'm on fire. Jesus is alive. I see him working. Woohoo! And some of you are, I'm a two. I'm really struggling. You know what? 
Tomorrow you may be a two and that person may be an eight. Because it's a race of endurance. You know, my words to you this morning is keep going. That's why we need to look at Hebrews 11. Those that went through some tough times, but they kept going. My encouragement to you this morning, wherever you're at, if you're an eight or you're a two or a one or a negative, I don't know. Keep going. Don't give up. Make your life count. People would see your faith. Say, that's what I want for my life. I want to know Jesus like you know Jesus. What's our motivation (laughs) for enduring this? Well, (laughs) our motivation is Jesus, right? Our motivation is Jesus. You know, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of a faith, who the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. For consider who, him who has enjoyed, endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Huh. What did Jesus go through? Well, he was tempted. Remember that? taken out into the desert and tempted? (laughs) But he would depend on the Father. He would speak the words of the Father. And he endured even to the point of the cross. Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and and Jesus is off on his own and, and his friends, the disciples, are off praying or sleeping, more like it? Great friends, right? Stick with me, <laughs> you know? And, and, and what happens? Jesus is there, and he's sweating drops of blood and saying, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. If at all possible. In other words, I don't want to suffer like this. But not my will, but your will. That's endurance. I'll be honest, I've had a couple of really hard weeks, the last couple of weeks. You know, one of the Bridge to Hope guys. <laughs> it, it got ugly. <laughs> I'm not going to go into details. <laughs> you know, just the drudgery of. <laughs> but then I come to this message this morning, and God says to Wade, Wade, press on. Don't give up. It's worth it. I did it. They did it. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) We need to fix our eyes on the right place. (laughs) Second Peter one three says we've given all we need for life and godliness I end with this thought this morning simply say that you are leaving a legacy 
daily, you are leaving a legacy. You're making an impact on your kids, maybe, <laughs> as mom, as dad. You're making an impact on coworkers. You're making an impact on that employee at Stewart's as you go in and get that cup of coffee. Or better yet, Dunkin' Donuts, even though it's way too expensive. You're making an impact on your spouse. You're making an impact on the person that's sitting next to you this morning or the person that you greeted as you came in. My question is, what kind of legacy are we leaving? And my challenge to us is to leave a legacy of faith that others would see our faith and say, you know what? I want to be like that. I'm not saying perfect. But I'm saying I want to be like that in terms of pursuing Jesus. To have that kind of individual focus that all that matters is finishing the race well. And what's the final thing that we get at the end of the race? It's not heaven, ladies and gentlemen. It's Jesus. That's why we want to go to heaven is because of Jesus. Sometimes we as Christians go, oh man, I can't look, look forward to that mansion, look forward. You know what? We're focused in the wrong spot. We are. We want Jesus. That's what we want. We want Jesus now and we want Jesus then. That's our focus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I've never even began to run that race of faith. And right now, (laughs) you say, I I need to talk to Pastor Dick after this, or one of the elders. I know there's a couple of them around here. I need to talk to them and and understand how to begin this race or how to get encouragement in this race. I need to join that small group because I need people around me, those witnesses, those people around me to help me in this journey because I'm struggling. It's okay. Be honest. (laughs) Our greatest desire needs to be for Jesus and to impact people around us to know Him. Run the race well. Run the race well. Nothing else matters. Let me pray. Lord, there's so many things that go on in our lives, and I'm sure even for some of us sitting here this morning, our minds have been everywhere. (laughs) We've been distracted. So we walk out those doors. There's so many distractions waiting for us. But yet you've called us to run this race of endurance. Lord, thank you for those that you've laid before us, the great cloud of witnesses that have lived their faith in such a way to be an encouragement to us those that are mentioned here in the Scripture and maybe those that are a part of our lives, Lord, that run in such a race that we can look and go, all right, if they can endure that by faith, I press on. 
Lord, may we run in such a way that others would see you. May you be our one focus above anything else. May we lay aside the the things that so easily entangle us and say, my eyes are on you, the author and perfecter of my faith. I want you. I want you now. I want you tomorrow. I want you to the day after. Lord, may we run in such a way that someday we do stand before you and you greet us with arms wide open and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and join the other witnesses. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning or watching that might say, you know what, I have not run well. You've sat on the curb and they're watching other people run. It's time to get back in the race. (laughs) Time to pursue him. Lord, at this moment, may they say, I need to get back at it and I'm going to. Maybe there's some that are here and have not began the race and are kind of clueless even what I what this verse is about, but saying there's an emptiness and I need something. I need something to hang on to. I need something. I need hope. May right now they just, as much as they know about you, just call out to you. May you meet them right where they're at. Father, I thank you for your word that is alive and active. May you continue to speak to us as you have through the power of your spirit, even this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we close, please remember his encouragement. Let's read Hebrews 11 this week. And some of you, if you need prayer before you leave today, grab me, one of the elders, wait, or just a friend. Don't leave without doing the business the Lord wants you to do. Amen. Blessings.